To those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass and dictators die, and the power they took from the people will return to the people. Because history has shown us that courage can be contagious, and hope can take on a life of its own. I will bring you hope. And I ask only one thing in return. We move now, together. Not at all. Hope is not lost today. It is found. Hope is what keeps you going. Even if the whole world is telling you to move, it's your duty to plant yourself like a tree, look them in the eye and say no. You move. Welcome to the Skiffy and Fanti Show. I'm Paul Weimer, and today on Signal Boost, we have Marco Close here to talk about the latest book in his Frontline series, Points of Impact. Say hello, Marco. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. It's good to talk to you again. We did talk several months ago in Helsinki. Uh, Sean and I cornered you for a conversation after trying to find you in various hotels. That was that was a bit of hilarity. Yeah, I, I guess I guess we did. It's all, it's all a blur at this point. <laughs> Helsinki seems months and thousands of miles away, which it was, but still, it just seems like a dream at this point. But while we were in Helsinki, we did mention that you had a sixth book in your Frontline series coming out, Points of Impact, and now it's landing on shelves everywhere. It is. It is out. Well, not so much on shelves because it's, um, you know, it's, um, 47 North, which is, which is Amazon publishing, which means that you will not find the hardcover on the shelf at Barnes and Noble. They'll order it for you, but they will not stock it because they don't like the, the big A. So, so actually most of my sales are on the Kindle. So that would mean uh, the virtual shelves. It's on virtual shelves everywhere now, but you can get the paperback to it. Yes. Virtual sales. A, a, a fair correction. That's that's right. You you are published with Forty Seven North and Amazon and Barnes and Noble have this rivalry going, and it's not fair to authors like you. But it is what it is. Hopefully, that'll change in the future. The attitudes will change a little bit, but right now it is what it is. But I I can't complain. But I would say right now about eighty five percent of my sales are Kindle, and a hardcover is is maybe half of the rest of that. And audio is actually doing better than hardcover, if you can believe that, on on Audible. They're selling very well on Audible. Uh, who, who's your narrator for your books? Um, Luke Daniels. He is really, really good. He also does Kevin Hearn's Iron Druid series and a bunch of other um, really uh, outstanding series. And uh, that was my um, my star moment when I got the publishing contract. That was one thing to my wife. I mean, it was nice and the money was nice and everything. But then when they when they sent me the email and said, hey. We got Kevin, uh, we got Luke Daniels to, um, to narrate your books and she had been listening to Kevin Hearn, his Iron Druid books and she loves Luke Daniels and she, she, she flipped out when she heard who's gonna, who's gonna be narrating the Frontlines books. So she really enjoys those. So I had my big rock star moment there. He is one of the top tier audible narrators. I do definitely agree with you in getting him for your series is definitely a coup and definitely a reason for listeners who don't want to read and read on a Kindle or order a hardcover the hard way can Go go to go to Audible and pick up your books that way and listen to by a fine narration. Exactly. So why don't you recapitulate a little bit for your readers what the Frontline series is all about, and then we can launch into what this last book in particular is about. Okay. Well, Frontlines is military science fiction, and it starts kind of as this 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 genre trope, which is you know young man signs up for the military and goes to war. So the beginning of it is. Seems to be very like Starship Trooper-esque or, you know, Scalzi's Old Man's War 
uh, kind of scenario stuff that we've read before. So I'm not really bucking the trope here, but I've, I've tried over the last six books to do something a little different with this. Uh, so this young man is signing up for the military in a, um, in a world where I, I wanted to invert one trope, which was the, the, the tough boot camp, but you know, the instructors really care for you to graduate and, you know, everybody here has what it takes to become a space marine or whatever, you know, that's, that's a bunch of hooey in this world because the, the military is a, is a, a job where for every job they have open, they have a hundred applicants so they can be super selective and, and capricious about, you know, they don't care whether you graduate or not. So I wanted to kind of stand that trope on his, on its head. So, you know, he gets into boot camp, you know, gets, gets to be one of the selectees and then he doesn't quite get the assignment that he, that he wants. And, uh, you know, the six books, the, the six books in the frontline series just basically is one of those things that grew in the telling where I wrote the first book as an application piece basically for the, um, Bible Paradise workshop. And uh, then I got a publishing deal out of it, and then it's just kind of turned into a series. And then the kind of, I, I had to build on it from from there without contradicting myself. So it's been kind of a balancing act. But I, I, I had never laid it out as a six book series, so I had to kind of grow it in the telling, so to speak. And um, this, so the the books have some time space in between them, um, and they follow young Andrew Grayson's career in the in the NAC military, which is the North American Commonwealth. And um, I wanted to keep it as realistic as possible in terms of um, military language, um, you know, chain of command, the um, the progression in rank, like he's not a, you know, four-star general after the third book. He, like, climbs the, climbs the ranks very slowly, like in the real military, like the enlisted personnel. They don't get bumped up the ranks very quickly uh, the way it usually happens in fiction. So it's a, it's a very long slog, and uh, it takes the poor guy, like, four books to make officer, and even then he has to be dragged into the job kicking and screaming. But I wanted to keep it as realistic as possible. And the cool thing about it seems it seems to be that the uh, the people that have been in the military uh, I like the emails that I keep getting from fellow veterans when they say that I got the military aspect just right in that in that you know the feel of it like the 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 the, the stuff that you only know if you've served that you that nobody knows whether you got it right except if they've been in the military as well if they've worn a uniform as well you can usually tell if you've served and somebody writes military sci-fi or military anything and they've never worn a uniform it usually shows in the writing somehow they can be super good at at the at telling the story but you know some military detail will just be off to where the veterans will say eh, that's not really how it works but you know i keep getting emails from veterans saying oh yeah that's exactly how it works so that, that always pleases me so i did i must have done something a little right with that yeah, you were junior non-com in the German military at, uh, in the 80s, as I recall, from our conversation in Helsinki. Uh, yeah, late 80s, early 90s. I was in the military, yeah, a junior non-commissioned officer. Um, I wanted to use um, the Frontline series, the first book especially, as kind of a vehicle to uh, work up some of my own memories uh, from boot camp and all these, you know, some some of the dialogue with the drill sergeants is like verbatim from my boot camp. And I wanted to use it in a fictional context before I forget it all. So it was more like it's, it's cheap therapy. <laughs> well, I, I mean, tap, tapping into that realistic strain of what you what you went through, as you said, has brought you lots of fans from the military who can sense and see that you're drawing from real experiences and real cultures in order to uh bring an bring a authentic voice to uh 
military. It's not, which is not to say that non-veterans can't write military science fiction, but you got that extra layer of frosting on it. That's like, yep, this is this is what it's like. So, what happens in this in this uh, sixth book, Points of Impact? Uh, Points of Impact is the continuation of the story that has that started with Andrew going to boot camp and then goes to through his entire career with him and his his wife um, through all these years of service. And we're basically 10 years into his service time and we've been fighting battles. And there is a there's an alien threat that requires you know humanity, which in, in the first book has been kind of at each other's throats and doing the usual stuff that humans do, like messing with each other um, until they have to all kind of pull on the same rope when a new threat shows up in, in, in the galaxy that they then have to fight together. Um, but I also um, had like half the books focus on the on the battles and on the war stuff and the other half focuses on what actually happens with the soldiers when they're on leave or stuff that you don't usually read in military sci-fi which is you know the the lives that they have that they're actually fighting for because you know fighting is one thing but you got to have something to fight for and and also the effects that a long drawn-out war has on people that have been fighting that war for years and years and years um what it what it does to the the mental um, makeup of somebody, you know, if you've been fighting a 10 year, if you've had a 10 year career of fighting dangerous battles, you know, you, you are going to be suffering from, from some, uh, you know, it's going to have an emotional impact on you. And, uh, the, the first five books are basically the, um, the recollection of the war in which they find themselves. The sixth book is on the surface, a, a continuation of that. But it's also I, I intended it to be kind of like as a um, to show what happens to the people that we ask to fight these never ending wars and, uh, you know, what it does to them and, and uh, you know, the, the effects that it has on the physically and mentally on the people that, that fight these wars. So, I mean, I, from uh, what I just read this morning, it sounds like for for the moment, this is going to be the last book in the lines of departure series. So you're looking at this as sort of a capstone for now to. uh to a story, uh, as a kind kind of a temporary capstone because it's the last Frontlines book for now that's under contract. But I will continue with the series because it's not told completely told yet. We still have to, um, you know, we have several mysteries to solve in the storyline yet. And I have keep getting emails from fans saying, you know, when can we have more? Are you writing the next one? And so on. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna leave it at that. Uh, right now, I'm writing on the first novel in a new series that's under contract. And and I should be done with that this month, um, and then I will probably revisit Frontlines. Um, but for now, it is it is a temporary capstone. Let's let's put it that way. But it's not. But I'm not totally done with it now. So I mean, it's a little wandering from our our main topic here. So what's this new novel, new series going to be about? Um, it's military sci-fi as well, but it's completely different from Frontlines. Um, I wanted to do something where I'm not as um, Frontlines was super fun to write, but it's a first-person view, present tense, so it's extremely like intimate in terms of, you know, I'm in the same guy's head for six books, and we only see what he sees um, because you know we're, we're watching the action from right behind his eyes, and and it's it's a really after six books of world building and uh, and trying to keep it in a realistic fashion where he's not promoted to 20 star general. So he gets to be, <laughs> he gets to be privy to all these high level decisions. I mean, it's the grunt eyes view, 
but it got increasingly diff- difficult to put him where he needed to be for narrative's sake without it, without all the, the people in the know going, oh, come on, you know, there's no way that a, that a sergeant would be, you know, present at this or that, you know, he has no excuse for being there. So I had to give him increasingly, um, um, well, I had to give him a job that, that requires him to see a little more than the average soldier on the ground. He's a, he's a combat controller, which is, uh, the guys that call down the airstrikes and the artillery support and all that. So they're tied into this bigger network where they know a little bit more than, than the average grunt on the ground. So he had to get that job so I could put him in situations where it wasn't outlandish that he was there and that he knew more, more than, uh, than, you know, the, the people next to him. Um, but, uh, uh, the new series is going to be um, pretty classic, you know, third-person past tense from different different viewpoint characters, um, and it's and it's and instead of near future, it's far future, and instead of our solar system, it's a different solar system. So I wanted to kind of unshackle myself from the restraints of, um, you know, having to obey the physics of our solar system because it's very well known. You know, I could, I mean, you still have to obey the physics, but you know, you get my point. You can you can make up your own so- solar system somewhere in the galaxy where the planets are not known to everybody. I mean, everybody knows like Mercury, Earth, you know, Venus, and and the physics involved and the distance involved. And if you get something wrong, um, you will hear about it. In, oh yes, in, because you know a lot of a lot of our readers are uh, are uh, science fiction nerds are also science nerds, and if you get the science wrong, you will hear about it. So I wanted to have a I wanted to basically create my own system, still you know obeying the laws of physics, but not um, not having to be constantly you know having the, the the nasa webpage and wikipedia open and to dub, double and tri- triple check make sure that all my my t's are crossed and my eyes are dotted as far as you know so our solar system goes because i'm not i mean i have some astronomy knowledge but i'm not a super you know that, that is not uh my my subject that i'm super versed in um and physics as well i try to keep it keep the physics real and that's not going to change in the new series either but i basically wanted to be all the constraints that i felt I piled on in six books of front lines. I wanted to go the other way with them. So instead of first person, it's it's third person. Instead of uh, present tense, it's past tense, and so on. You know, so it's going to be um, the narrative style is going to be a little different from front lines, but hopefully it's going to be just as fun. Uh, and uh, it sh- the first book should be out hopefully if I can if I don't blow my deadline in a spectacular fashion. The first book should be out this year, toward the end of the year. Oh, excellent! I'll, I'll I'll look forward to that because that's that's that sort of science fiction is much more my speed, real wide open space opera or something I really jazz on. So I'm really looking forward to. Is there a tentative title for this new book yet? Not yet. I ha- I kind of have a working title um, because of the uh, the military unit that I came up with that it, that is it takes a big part in the story. It's basically think of it as as Gurkhas in space. That sounds excellent. I'm looking. I'll look forward to that. So is there anything else you want to tell our listeners before we let you go for the day? I think that should just about cover it. If, if they're still awake by now, <laughs> hearing about the, the frontline stuff. And it's, it's, it's always hard to get people into a series that's, that's been going for six books, but it's an advantage too, because if they pick up your book and they like it, the first one, then they have a lot to catch up on. And, um, I, I, I really recommend uh, that that lovely review that puts it way that appeared in the Verge today. The, the synopsis of the series is excellently done. I'm actually going to have to ask him if I can pay him for using that synopsis whenever I pitch that, pitch that series to somebody else because he gets what I what I was trying to do all these years with these books. And uh, 
as a it's very it's a very good review of of this current book and the series as a whole. Yep, uh, and we'll link to that in the sno- in the show notes. Andrew has his own links to the military, so I can definitely see why he'd grok your stuff. And the first book in your series is Terms of Enlist- Enlistment, as I recall. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, so so for listeners who haven't picked up Marco's work, that's where you'd want to begin with that series, and we'll look forward to your new series coming at the end of the year. Very good. Thank you, Marco, for coming on to the show today. Thank you very much for having me. And with that, listeners, stay frosty and see Welcome to the Skiffy and Fanty Show. I'm Elizabeth, and today on Signal Boost we have Cody Sisko, author of the Resonant Earth series, a cyberpunk alternate history set in California. Welcome to the show, Cody. I'm glad to be here. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your work? Sure. Um, well, I guess, where should I start? Uh, let's start with the writing career. So I guess I got started in around 2012, and... Um, <laughs> my first uh, major development was a, a 900-page manuscript for uh, a story that um, then went through about three years of reworking, chopping it up into pieces, and uh, turning it into what eventually became Broken Mirror, the first book in the series, Tortured Echoes, the second, and then um, the third, Altered Bodies, uh, will be out later this year. So what inspired you to write this story? Uh, well, I'd started various... Um, novels over the prior 10 years um, and pieces of them showed up uh, in Broken Mirror. But the real the real germ of it started when I was uh, on a train going between Paris and Geneva for um, for a work job. And I had been living in Europe, uh, though I was originally from California, for about two years and increasingly just felt very disconnected from my former life. Uh, for my friends and family back home. And even from, I was working in a very kind of odd industry of sustainability consulting that didn't ever really <laughs> click when I was describing what I was doing to other people. So just feeling very isolated. And I was wondering, you know, what, what type of character could I write that would capture that feeling? And how far would that character be willing to go to, to reconnect to his humanity and to, and to just, you know, reconnect with the society around him. So those were the kinds of thoughts that were going through my head when I was just starting to to think about the characters and the plot of Broken Mirror. You mentioned being from California and the story is set there. Is place a really important part of your work for you? Absolutely, yes. Um, I think about how and where people live, um, you know, their their daily lives, their commutes, um, the different cultural aspects to the language, for example, um, that has always been, been really important to me. And I had, I had the, the privilege for my, my prior career to travel around the world, um, to Southeast Asia, to Europe, to Latin America. And so I got to see these just very brief glimpses into other worlds. And, and I think that informs my writing, um, in terms of wanting to provide in my books readers with an entry point into what feels like a much bigger universe. And so that's kind of how I think about, you know, where, where I, uh, set the story. How do I bring in the, the city life aspects that surround the characters and what they're doing? Um, I think a lot about place. Yeah. 
So what was it that drew you to write your story as an alternate history rather than set it in a completely new world? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I, I've had, I'm part of a writer's group, and when I was sharing early drafts, some of the the feedback I got was like, you know, you should just set this in the future. Why is it set in, in an alternate 1991? And the reason is that I think a lot about, and I hope to encourage readers to think a lot about how the world we live in could be different if we've made different choices in the past. And I'm thinking, you know, both politically, but also technologically, you know, how how could the say the the, the conflicts that we fight over today, how could those be different? How could they be drawn um, along different lines? And so I also sort of have and maybe maybe people share this, you know, a fair bit of nostalgia for the past and for how I used to look at the world. I think that's behind a lot of the resurgence these days of like 80s nostalgia with Ready Player One and then Stranger Things is that, you know, we when we watch those shows, it's not just about like watching what the world used to be like, but how how were we, you know, how what were we like back then? Um, and remembering kind of wouldn't say a kinder, gentler time, but just what it was like before all these layers of experience that come with age, how that affect our thoughts. Absolutely. I totally agree with you there. So mental health is an extremely important part of this series. What would you say are some of the challenges of writing about mental illness? Mm, yes, there are many. Um, and it was, it, uh, I guess it was a an overly ambitious, uh, perhaps, uh, choice to make for a first novel um, as I was still sort of learning my writing chops. But I decided very early in the process that I didn't want to try to create or imitate the experience of someone who is mentally ill with with a, a recognizable disorder, you know, such as bipolar or schizophrenia. I wanted to create the feeling in the reader of inhabiting a character's shoes so deeply that, you know, even they, the reader, is not sure quite, you know, how this world works. And and um, with the character of Victor Eastmore, I mean, the the mental illness, it affects even his perceptions, you know, of the world, his sight, sounds, um, and emotional states. So, you know, that was one choice I made was to, to, to create a essentially new, new degenerative neurological disorder and to try to, you know, put myself in the shoes of a character who is, who is, um, living through that experience. Sounds challenging. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is. Um, and I've, you know, I've, I've hesitated to, you know, in the marketing for this book, reach out to patient groups or clinicians or other people who work with mental illness, even though when I've talked to people who say are caregivers or who work in, in mental health institutions um, or in research, and they're always they're always sort of like the biggest fans because they identify in some way with this world and with this struggle. But I've hesitated to really make that an active push because it's you know, it's um, people are living on very uh, fragile ground. You know, they're, they're treading fragile ground and having suffered in, with depression myself in my younger years and, and have had family members who've suffered from schizophrenia. I know that there's, you know, there's always this feeling that you're kind of walking on eggshells and and not wanting to upset the balance when when in reality, you know, that's it's really out of our control a lot of the time. So it's yeah, it's been tricky to try to bring those those experiences from my life into the book in a way that made sense um, and also to to position it, you know, in our lot wider world of challenging times for people with mental illness. I think it's particularly interesting that 
you've got an alternate history rather than a new world, but a new mental illness instead of an existing one. It's an interesting juxtaposition, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you are self-publishing the series. Uh, what drew you to self-publishing? It was something I wanted to do from the start when I first um, got started into writing. I was excited by the opportunity to kind of take a project and run with it from the beginning to have control over the direction, to, to be responsible for my own success. I was uh, hesitant to go in the direction of traditional publishing because I didn't want to give up that control. And I... Um, I wanted to feel like I could steer the ship in a way. Um, about halfway through writing Broken Mirror, I start to thought, I start to think, actually, this is pretty good. You know, I, I can, I can see a path for this forward in traditional publishing. And I sent out maybe a dozen or so really awful query letters because that's a whole different craft that takes, I'd say, you know, years or, or longer to perfect. Um, it uses the part of the marketing brain that is, I think, um, underdeveloped. It was underdeveloped to me. So I sent out a bunch of those queries and, and the feeling of sort of my career and success being contingent on the, the, the slush pile and this sort of amorphous and largely mute process by which uh, work gets um, found and discovered and then and then produced. That was a, a total motivation killer and really set me back and even in my writing process slowed me down quite significantly. So then I, uh, I uh, redirected again decided I was going to form my own publishing imprint, that I would start with my books, that I would expand over time into publishing other authors as well. And and then, boom, you know, the motivation came back. Uh, I kicked it up a notch. And then finally, in 2016, published my first book under under Resonant Earth Publishing. That's an ambitious project. <laughs> oh, well, I, I would just add to that um, that it's also a learning process in that it, it, what I've learned is that it's a, a long-term prospect and proposition. So for the first time now in um, 2018, I will be publishing an anthology of short stories that collects a lot of um, speculative fiction, but also literary fiction in um, an anthology that that is about uh, stories set in Los Angeles. And so, you know, like these things, you know, they, they start as very tiny seeds of ideas and take time to, to grow and germinate. But step by step, they do get there. That's very cool. So uh, is the anthology going to be original fiction or reprints or a mix of both? It's a mix of both. Um, at this point, uh, we're still, we've got like uh, maybe half of the anthology is nailed down um, and we're going through uh, more submissions that we've solicited. At this point, I'd say about 80% is original short fiction um, and everything ranging from about 2,000 words to there's one novella length uh, 30,000 word piece. So it's a, it's a range of genre and of, of length and, um, origin, I guess you'd say. Very cool. Well, that touches on another question I was going to ask. Is your plan to keep your focus on the Resonant Earth series or are there other worlds and alternate universes that you want to write? Uh, yes, yes. Um, I, so I do want to finish this third book first. Um, I think it will leave this series in, um, a spot where I can turn my attention to, to other projects for a while. Although there are more in the series, I'll need to come back to it. I know that. Um, yeah, the next I've had, uh, basically, I think it was three years ago in, in NaNoWriMo National Novel Writing Month. I started and finished a story about a, um, a Hawaiian born oceanographer who's, um, setting up a research project in the Arctic 
um, to look at climate change and the effects of climate change when her uh, research boat is fired upon and sinks and she has she manages to survive and then she um has to figure out well what it you know what happened what's this conspiracy that that is trying to you know eliminate her and her research um and that's it's in like you know okay shape but i need to i need to you know spend a lot of good time on the editing side so um that will probably be probably be my first next project after uh, altered bodies cool so do you have anything that's coming out soon? This anthology is coming out in, uh, let's see, early April. Um, and in it will be three short stories, um, all from female or gender fluid uh, viewpoints. Um, and all three form a sort of triptych of ghost stories set in L.A. So those and I, you know, Full disclosure, I had never really been much of a fan of short stories or had ever intended to write them. And somehow over the past year and a half or so, um, after reading um, collected anthologies like The Weird and um, Best Sci-Fi by Jeff and Ann Vandermeer, and now I'm reading um, James Tripti Jr., I just somehow that unlocked something in the creative process. And then in the past three months, I busted out these stories um, and I'm, you know, I'm really proud of them. I, they do things that I didn't know I was capable of as a writer, which is, you know, awesome sort of self-discovery. And so when those come out, I will be hollering as loud as I can to say, hey, you know, like now I can write short stories. This was new for me. Like, And they're, I think they're a lot of fun. They're very uh, they're very timely. Um, one of the I'll just, you know, briefly, one of the short stories is a woman who is um, sexually harassed in the workplace and begins to shrink down to the size of about half the size of a Barbie doll. And so it's about, you know, what happens to her and how she gets back. That sounds really interesting. Um, I look forward to seeing that come out. It was a lot of fun to write, yeah. So thank you so much for joining us, Cody. Can you let us know where we can find you and your work? Yes. So probably the best place to find me is on my website. It's uh, codysisco.com, that's C-O-D-Y-S-I-S-C-O. If our discussion of the Resonant Earth series, um, you know, piqued your interest, then uh, listeners can find that at brokenmirrorbook.com. And uh, I'm I'm pretty active on social media, so Twitter is where you can find me. Uh, again, Cody Cisco. Yeah, I'm all over the place. If you if you now that you've heard of me or heard from me, um, you'll probably won't stop seeing me everywhere. Uh, <laughs> I promise that's not me doing crazy remarketing things. It's just that I try to post a lot just to, you know, boost the signal, as they say. Well, thank you again for joining us, Cody. Thanks, Elizabeth. This is great. Um, and thank you, listeners, for joining us on Signal Boost. Go check out Cody and the Resonant Earth series. Thank you for listening to the show. If you'd like to support us, you can find us at patreon.com slash skiffyandfanti. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can do so at our email at skiffyandfanti at gmail.com, on Twitter at skiffyandfanti, and on Facebook at the Skiffy and Fanti Show. Our intro and outro music comes from Dimension by Creo. You can find out more about them at freemusicarchive.org.